Hey there. Before this episode starts, I just want to get the attention of all you drone enthusiasts out there. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is helping to spread the word about a drone contest. And if you win, you can get free passes to an international drone conference uh, in Las Vegas this fall. If you're interested in this, just stay tuned to the end of this episode and I'll tell you all about how to enter and how to win. Now, on to the show. It's July 10th, 2017, and this is the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm your host, Pius Wong. Last season, we had an episode mentioning how foreign students come to the U.S. at relatively high rates to study engineering, computer science, and other STEM fields. We already had one good conversation to try to understand why this is so, comparing the Indian education system to the U.S. In this episode, I try to find out about the Chinese system in comparison to the U.S. Hi, I'm Hao Cheng, and I'm uh, currently a senior in UC. Recently, I spoke with Hao Cheng, a Chinese student in his last year studying math and computer science as an undergraduate at the University of Texas at Austin. I did uh, some research last year, and basically it's about a condition number estimation that is more on, say, use computers to implement some numerical analysis algorithms. To that sounds like an impressive mouthful to anyone, engineer or not. He summarized his research project as advancing data analysis or data science. But you're learning. You're doing it to, yeah, to have I mean, fun. doing research is pretty fun. I mean, yeah. you it's, it's kind of struggle at first. That's basically you feel what you learn in class. It's only a start. And there's a huge gap between what you learn to what the research requires. Interesting. I asked Hao Cheng about his background to find what got him to Texas studying all this and why. He began by explaining that he was from Beijing, China's capital city, which is a somewhat different world compared to the rest of China, let alone compared to the U.S. For starters, Beijing has almost 22 million people. Compare that to New York City, which only has 8.5 million. Hao Cheng talked about how Beijing is split amongst 16 urban and rural districts, and he compared education systems in these areas. Urban areas have, have much more, much better, say, resource for students. That's kind of unfair, I know, but that's the case. <laughs> wow, okay. I'm I myself from the urban area. Oh, okay, so would you say that Growing up, you had a little bit of an advantage in your education? Yeah, definitely. I mean, China itself also has some kind of imbalance in education. I have to admit that um, it's like, um, so the more developed this part is, actually the better the education is. And for Beijing specifically, the urban area is better than the rural area. You might have heard about the notorious Chinese college entrance examinations before. Hao Cheng spoke about them as an example of the urban-rural divide. Okay, in China, if you want to go to universities, most people, or almost 95% of the students who have to take a college entrance examination, and uh, the government classified the university into three tiers. The first, you can just, oh, we just call it the first tier, the second tier, and the third tier. The first tier is the best, and the third tier is the worst. 
I usually there's a cutoff for uh, by taking college entrance examination, you have a score, and then usually they have a cutoff for a first tier students, the first tier oh, university, okay. second tier, and third tier. So, um, <coughs> so it sounds like the SAT. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I've taken SAT. Oh, you I did? Oh, right, right. Okay, okay. so I yeah. knew the SAT, and um, but SAT is basically. One of the important factor I know that they also look at your high school GPAs. They also yeah, look at in your America they look reference at my, letters, yeah, yeah. but those all things are totally non-relevant <laughs> to China. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Compared to college examination, almost that's the only thing they care about. Also, I've told for minorities, for extremely talented people, they can win Olympic gold medals. They can win, say, IMO international mathematics Olympiad medals, they can also get into great schools, but that's not, not for majority. Right, right. And um, what we care most is the tier, uh, the cutoff for first level universities. There's a score. And then for the urban areas, usually uh, in Beijing, usually 40 to 50% of students can get more than this point. But for rural areas, about 10 to 15%. Wow. That's so a, that's a kind of a big gap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he took not only the SAT, but the Chinese college entrance exams. How did he do? And why did he go to the U.S.? I tried, but I, I didn't make a good grade. I do get above the first level <laughs> cutoffs, but it's, uh, and there are still two more actually better level up above the first level, it's called not, we, there are two numbers that have 985 and 211. Those two are some elite schools in the first tier, but I didn't get into that tier, so later okay. I find, well, American schools maybe, um, you have a better education. That's what they, what people usually say, the higher education in the U.S. is better. And that's a primary reason I came here. And computer science is based, Basically, and up to now, I think it's still led by United States. You have so much wonderful companies. <laughs> Hao Cheng <laughs> then named Amazon Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, and other American tech companies with a global reputation. I asked if this was just his view, or if others in China thought the same way. I think that's a con- uh, that's a consensus really? between Chinese. That, um, that we definitely believe that in the technology side, the United States is still leading the world. Okay. So um, a higher education is actually the place where produce the technologies, I think. Wow. Okay. And so um, why did you go to the University of Texas? I'm just curious. <laughs> That's a good question. I mean... <laughs> UT is definitely, uh, I, we checked the rankings and then to see, um, it's kind of leading in the, uh, computer science and in the engineering field. And I find Austin is, uh, and ranking is what I would think of most at that time. But when I came here, I find out Austin is also a great place to live with. Mm-hmm. So that's a basic reason of coming here. Yeah, very different from Beijing. Hao Cheng spoke more about his interests in math and programming growing up, or, in the case of computer science, his lack of interest. He mentioned how computer science is not on the Chinese college entrance exams, and computer science classes aren't common at the K-12 level, even in urban schools like his. So then I wondered, 
what the perception was of computer science among Chinese students in general. Would you say that there were a lot of kids interested in the same things that you were? Is, is data or mathematics and computer science popular in China growing up? I think so. I think there are a lot of people are interested in this field. Basically, when I talk, so still when I talk to my friends in China who who join the same high school or junior school as me, basically when they don't know what to major in, they just pick com- <laughs> make mathematics or computer science because it, it can never go wrong. <laughs> Interesting. When did you start learning the program? Was it in college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Here, okay. it's since my second year, so I, I only programmed for two. Two oh wow! <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so then you probably have, and and you're already doing all this research, but you probably have gone a long way. Is what it sounds like in two years. I mean, the research is I classify this as more mass based. So I think maybe the mass background really helps me a lot. Let's say you, let's say for mass in China, take take mass as an example. Um, there's a, yeah. In the college examination, there's always a multiple choice question ask you to read a flow chart and understand what it's doing. Tell me the answer. It's basically the primary thing of the algorithms. Mm-hmm. And then I have those kind of trainings that kind of helps me in understanding the computer science stuff, especially in data structure and algorithms. Oh, it okay. seems kind of familiar to me, so that may, I may kind of take some advantage from it. But I formally start programming yeah. here. But you you did flowcharts and you did algorithms in math, is what it sounds like. Uh, there are some really simple algorithms. Let's say add one square, two square, add to say a hundred square, and tell me what this is doing. Sure. If you could redo your education when you were younger, is there anything you would do differently I to prepare yourself better? <laughs> you would have started programming younger. Yeah, I thought it. Need to start programming younger. I mean, programming for me, it's like practice makes perfect. For most people, actually, practice makes perfect. Not much people can get to say algorithm designer or invent a new algorithm just like Dijkstra or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think if you start younger, it can helps. Really, can helps understand what is going on in what you study in math sometimes. So he thinks combining computing with math or other subjects could enhance understanding of both. Let's take an example of, let's say, 1 over 1 times 2 plus 1 over 2 times 3 plus 1 over 3 plus 3 times 4, something like that. And you need to change, say, 1 over 1 times 2 to 1 minus 1 over 2 and then minus plus, minus plus. You can get it, right? But um, I just learned by math. If I can implement, if I learn programming, I can implement on computer and I can just take an arbitrarily large and I can guessing what it's doing. So I think with the implementation, I can enhance my study. I asked Hao Cheng to compare his Chinese education to the U.S. system as he knew it. He said his American counterparts in college seemed to be about two years behind in math in general, but that high-achieving American students still go really far, or maybe farther than Chinese students. For college computer science, he thought that American classes integrated more theory with practice, which he liked. Then Hao Cheng spoke about the K-12 level. 
In China, there seemed to be more emphasis on memorization, which he thought was helpful for him. For take a simple example, is our say we have a table of nine by nine that you need to re remember the results of one digit number times one digit number, and you need to remember the whole table. But I think here, what I heard is people just usually use a calculator. I think by Uh, by remembering them, and then to practice a lot, you have a an idea of say how large the number is.、Uh, usually, because I used to be a calculus tutor here, and sometimes I tell some American students, I think a prob a problem with them is that uh that um. They once they get the answer, I can easily tell it's wrong, just because I can approximately know that how big this number is, and your number is makes no sense. But they may not know. That maybe because everything they do is rely on the calculator, and they don't remember this. So when it comes to say,、um, so they may have a higher say、uh, error rate. So I think maybe to re- I don't really. I don't mean to encourage you to practice as much as as possible. To say practice a hundred questions a day, that's not much sense. Right, right. But、uh, practice appropriate amount will make you more、uh, familiar and familiar with the materials and get better understanding. What does the U.S. do that's great that maybe China should do more? When I asked Hao Cheng, he loved that. Educational and college prep summer camps were more accessible, and not just for the more privileged. In China, during his first year of high school, Hao Cheng went to a Chinese camp and described his experience.、Uh, it was almost it's like the university give different give、uh, say different number of people allowed for different schools, and the schools send students recommend students to there, and.、Um, Those are like, say, the first couple of days introduce you to different departments, diff- and then what they do, and the、yeah. last day usually is a test. <laughs> test. They give you a test at the summer camp. Yeah, they give you. A That's te- interesting. They、yeah. give you a test. Well, the test is primarily for them to find the elite students, and、um, huh. if you do well in that test, you can add some points in your college examination. Usually. Oh wow! <laughs> so it helps you get. Into, yeah, into university later. Yeah,、okay. but it's really hard to get in the kind of camp. Let's say our school only have three spots available for that year, and our class have four hundred people, I think. And those are only for U.S. schools. Yeah. So I think the summer camps can get students more exposure to a specific area, which I think is really good. And kids, whether American or Chinese. Could use all the help they can get when it comes to studying computer science and other STEM fields. Hao Cheng guessed that in Beijing and Shanghai, some of the largest and richest areas of China, maybe 20 to 30 percent of the population around him had a college degree, with it being less common in other places. I mean, higher education is really, you know, it's really hard to get higher education in China compared to here.、Huh. Though it's,、uh, though China started expanding the college. 
uh, size is 99.99 because I know that when my mom and my dad take the color examination, usually the college acceptance rate is about five to six percent. Wow. <laughs> Now it's getting better. Usually, you can get to college with sixty to seventy percent. But but those companies and recruiters, if you want a good job, they want you to be at least from the first level universities. And some better companies even require two two eleven and nine eighty five PhD or masters oh only. Gosh. So it goes back to what you were saying in the beginning. China is huge. <laughs> It's hard to have everyone get an education. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Okay. The education is more selective. Sure, but if you go to a second or third tier college or university in China, can, can does that mean you can still find a good job? Or well, it's kind of hard to find one, but it's still possible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's still possible, and depends on say.、Uh, What have you done? Maybe those are those who are really elite can get to say really elite schools during their master time. And people usually, from the people I knew, almost everyone would get a master degree, no matter <laughs> what major they're in. Really? Okay. Really? Because、yeah. PhD, you know, you need to, and that's maybe a reason why almost all the people I know also come to U.S. for master degrees, because. Bachelor degree is kind of still expensive here. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. master is kind of manageable, and、um, you can get a.、Uh, and pe- people in China usually value more for the、uh, say foreign degrees than the、uh, say domestic degrees. That at least、uh, shows you are kind of qualified in English. <laughs> I closed out by asking Hao Cheng what he wanted to do professionally in the future. Just figure out: Are you going to be in the USA or China? Or well, that's a good question. <laughs> Many people ask me this before, which I think it really depends. I mean, I haven't decided yet because I know I know that、um, from the news I've seen that people seems like China is growing sharply in this area. Yeah, maybe they will have a, at least China will have a bigger market because we have one billion more people in China than here. <laughs> Thank you to Hao Cheng, student of computer science and mathematics here in Texas. And thank you for listening. For links to a few topics mentioned today, check out this episode's show notes. And don't forget to stay tuned to the end of the show for more details about the drone contest. Got something to add to the conversation? Message the show on Twitter at K12Engineering or message me at Pius Wong. Review the show on iTunes, follow it on Facebook, and donate to the show on my Patreon. Find the details at the podcast website k12engineering.net. Our closing music is from Late for School by Bleep Tour under a Creative Commons Attribution License. The K12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of Pios Labs, and you can support Pios Labs at www.patreon.com/pioslabs. Hey, an announcement for this July 2017 and only this July 2017. The K12 Engineering Education Podcast is helping to publicize a drone contest, and the prize for、uh, the winners of this drone contest are going to be free passes to the Inter Drone Conference 
this fall, this September. Uh, the Interdrone Conference, if you haven't heard of it, is kind of a new conference. It's a big international conference just about drones. And it's industrial, meaning drone designers and builders go there, drone pilots go there, uh, people who film and photograph things with drones go there. So the education presence at this conference isn't as big yet, but they are hoping to spread into that arena more and more. And hey, if you're an educator or someone who is a supporter of this this podcast and you love drones, by all means, you should crash their conference and spread some educational ideas. All that said, if you want to go there and you want to save a couple hundred bucks on a registration, like if you're already paying to go to Las Vegas this time, well, why don't you get a free registration? To do it, you can enter and possibly win this contest uh, in two ways. One way is by entering a photo contest. The photo contest is being run by the company Electronics Valley, and you can find the details on uh, the link that is in this episode's show notes. But you go to that link and it gives you the official rules, but basically take an awesome photo that represents the theme drone in my family drone in my family so whatever that means to you if you want to make an inspiring photo a beautiful photo or a hilarious photo those are the the criteria that go in my mind when i think about that if you want to make that photo that represents drone in my family then go ahead and take it and submit it to that link that i've got on uh, this episode's show notes and also if you don't think you're a photographer, there is option number two for winning a free pass to Interdrone. Option number two is easy. You just send this podcast an email, info at k12engineering.net. Send an email with the subject line, drone raffle. And if you email info at k12engineering.net with the subject line, drone raffle, I'll take a note of it. And you do this before the deadline of August 1st, I will pick one uh, drone enthusiast winner to get a free pass to enter drone. Now, all that said, again, uh, this isn't going to be like some all expenses paid trip or anything. So I am not uh, that amazing. But hey, you can save a couple hundred bucks and you can go see a lot of cool toys if you go out there. And I think that you should check it out if you can. That's all. Hope to see your photos and your emails.